Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Gear QA Live number 122. <laughs> Every time I say it, it seems like the numbers. We should, maybe we should restart. I think I talked about that before. We'll just call it number, maybe at 100, we should have just went to one and then, you know, this is number 22. Anyways, it's number 122 uh, and uh, we're ready to do a hangout and talk. I actually don't have a whole lot on my agenda today, so it'll be interesting. But believe it or not, there's already some top questions, which are the super chatty questions. And of course, questions I was filtering through the uh, as you guys were chatting before I went on live. So I'll start addressing that uh, first. The first thing I want to start before I do anything else is this week I have a new patron. His name is Joe. And I'm Joe, I hope I'm saying the last name right. It's Zafoto. Z-A-F-F-O-T-O. Uh, I'm doing it phonetically. Zafoto. Hopefully that's right. Welcome uh, to the patron team. And uh, I thank you for that. The other questions that came up that were interesting. Hold on. I penned them over here. These weren't top chat questions. These were just chat back and forth. And I thought it was interesting. Um, one of the questions was... Uh, but actually a chat between Melissa and Paul, and they were talking about some uh, Know Your Gear shirts. Paul, I think you got the message. I'm not sure. I sent you an email just now letting you know uh, who you talked to. You talked to my wife about getting a, a shirt like that made. Um, so there you go. Um, and so you guys know what he was asking. He was asking for the female logo Know Your Gear shirt on a men's style shirt. And uh, the, the entire know your gear <laughs> merchandise team is me and my wife <laughs> so uh and i can tell you exactly how it works if you guys ever have any questions or requests about shirts uh just feel free to ask me and i will then do exactly what i did with paul i will forward it over to my wife and copy you on it and she if she can do it she does it if she can't she can't we do our best you know my wife had to teach herself how to do uh, the program that edits the shirts. So, uh, you know, and she does pretty well, but it's not like it was her. She's not like a graphic artist or anything or anybody with a, a ton of years of experience doing that. So we do our best. So there you go. That question was easy. The next one came from, uh, well, it doesn't say who it came from. Not on my side of the screen. It just says, if you could only have six guitars, what would they be? Um, so I'm going to assume... Uh, well, I'm not going to assume. I'm just going to tell you six guitars, and uh, I'm going to pick from my personal guitars. It would definitely be um, my green, my uh, olive green American Professional Stratocaster, the double humbucker one. That's for sure. Then it would be my PRS Mira. I have two of them. I don't care which one, um, just because I like that guitar. Both I have two, but they're essentially the same. Um, the GNL. Telecaster, our ASAT, ASAT. <laughs> uh, that'd be three. Um, probably now, just because I'm really hot on them right now, my Ibanez AZ. And I've been playing that nonstop. And I know what's funny is, uh, I think when I'm thinking of my next one, my, my, my first thought that popped in my head was my John Mayer silver sky but i know it's going to sound strange but i feel like with that assortment of guitars you know i have a telly style i have a strat style i have my uh mira which is would be my less paul sounding type of guitar and um uh i don't even remember what the fourth one i just said was um <laughs> anyways um or did i say four see i'm counting on my fingers but let's see let's do this again because uh, apparently i haven't had enough coffee today i would definitely pick my olive green strat my mira the GNL, I think for the fourth one, because unless I picked the fourth one, I don't remember, 
I would pick the Solar guitar, which is behind me. And the reason is, is that would be my metal guitar. And uh, what else? I mean, I'm not picking a bass because you said guitars. You know, I would probably say my Dan Electro 59, but it would be a real close call between that and the Framus television, which is the blue guitar behind me. Because those would be those would be all the sounds I need. I'd have a hollow body, I'd have a metal guitar, I'd have a Strat, I'd have a Les Paul style. I know what you're thinking. Why don't you pick one of your Les Pauls? Um, it's because I like my mirror the best. I've had that mirror forever. I wish PRS still made them. They don't make them. One thing I've talked about on the channel was, which was really kind of exciting to, to, to fall in love with the, the John Mayer. The John Mayer is the only PRS that I own, um, I think, <laughs> that I play. Actually, that's better, not better yet. That I play that you can actually get. Most of the other PRSs I play, they don't make them anymore. I used to make a joke that... Uh, that uh, I was the Paul Reed Smith curse because every guitar I love from Paul Reed Smith, they stopped making. So, okay. Um, okay, so that was that question. Walter had a question too. It says, what do you think most guitar players could improve on? And um, I know what you're going to say, practicing, but it's not actually my, my, um, my, my thought. Um, you know, different guitar players, I love this question because depending on who you would ask, that would actually probably curtail the answer. So if I asked like a guitar teacher, you know, what could the guitar players improve on? They're going to probably push it more towards the teaching logic, right? Us being a gear channel, you know, hey, what do I think a guitar player should improve on? You'd think I might say a gear question, like learn their gear more, know your gear kind of thing. But to be honest with you, one thing that I I find that is one of the, de the things that I think guitar players really need to work on is playing, just playing and playing with other musicians. And the reason I say that is one thing I, I kind of laugh at, <laughs> just gonna let you know right now, I laugh sometimes at some of the comments in the videos uh, over the years, uh, especially the trolley kind of comments where they're trying to attack your, your guitar playing skills. And I always kind of chuckle because I'm not a virtuoso guitar player. You know what I mean? Like Pete Thorne's just really great. He's a great musician, but then he's also a virtuoso guitar player. That's two different skills to me, Pete Thorne's skills. There's the skill set that allows him to show up and play with a band because he has a, you know, a vast playing capability. And then there's, you know, he can write a great album because he's got a great writing ability. And then he's a virtuoso, so he can make technical playing uh, sound awesome. But in my world, I think where a lot of general guitar players, the majority of them, really fail is they don't play enough. They don't play enough music and they don't interact with enough musicians. And the reason I say that is um, just in the last year I've had to go on stage learn a song of uh, you know um, let's see Robert Baker taught me a song while they were playing a song we had to go on stage and I had to play with Phil X and with the song I learned right then when we did the Rockin' 1000 just a couple weeks ago we learned all 18 of those songs on between Friday and Sunday <laughs> 72 hours we learned 18 songs and performed them in front of the, the audience um, being a great guitar player that probably helps but realistically, um, it, it helps you to understand when you're playing, the more you play music, it's like, I don't have a great analogy of this, maybe like driving a car, right? To me, driving a car would be like you're on the freeway and you get used to where the other cars are. You get to get a sense of what's going on around you, keeping, you know, you get comfortable with it. I think playing music, when you play music, the more you play, the more comfortable you get with music. Um, 
And so practicing is good because that's, that's technique. Learning your gear is great. All those things are great. There's no wrong answers. You're just asking the question is, what do I think guitar players can improve on? And that isn't what I think like based as a theory. Just watching musicians react because I have a real, um, like I did a, I did a, I did play with um, um, Larry Mitchell uh, a couple months ago, you know, and he's a Grammy winning artist. Um, and he's like, hey, you want to come up on stage and play some songs? The, the, the reason I say that is, I want to play music. <laughs> so, so I, I'm like, yes, anytime anybody asks me to play music, I'm like, yeah, let's go, let's go do that. You know, especially now in my life where I have a little bit more time, you know, um, I used to never have any time. Now I at least have a day or two that I can use for my personal life. Um, so on that note, I think that's what a lot of players need to work on is playing music. If you're not playing music, I think you're missing out. And, um, and I think, <laughs> hold on, Bud's saying, I think Phil telling us to quit our jobs and practice more. Not practice. Practice is a different skill set than playing music. Playing music is literally means you play music. I know that it's technically practice, but you understand what I'm saying. Playing with backing tracks, playing along, like karaoke, you know, play the song and your stereo and play along to it all the way to the end, right? Don't learn the riffs, play the music. Um, learn to play with other musicians to figure out what you could, what you can offer. You know, a lot of times if somebody asks me to come up on stage and play some songs, if I'm just familiar enough with the song that I can play the chords in the background, maybe I'll play the background. And I've learned as a, as a skill set for me is put the spotlight on the talent. In other words, a lot of times I'll go up on stage and I'm I'm just there to play and not screw it up for the ones with the talent. Let them shine. Let them show off. Let them be awesome. Um, just playing music is just being part of that on stage every time is a thrill for me. It it makes me feel like, you know, it's like even the the weakest player on the football team when they win the Super Bowl gets the, the gets the ring, right? Even the weakest player on stage still got to be on stage and play music. That's how I view myself when I'm on there. Not always as the weakest player. <laughs> sometimes, but not always. But uh, sometimes just playing music. So that's my that's my that's my speech. Okay, and while I was doing that, I was missing a bunch of questions. So don't worry about the top qu chat questions. Those are all pinned. I'm just scrolling through uh, whatever else was typing. Okay, let's see. Steve says, I never see you with a Rickenbacker. Yeah, I don't own one. I had a blue one. I think I mentioned this a couple podcasts ago, maybe 50 back, uh, that I had one. And the neck is just too small for me. Love the tone. And I've said this, uh, I know I've said this before. I will say it again. The reason I have the love for the 59 um, uh, Dan Electro right here is it's not the same as a Rick. But I associate Rickenbackers with like Tom Petty. And I associate the these... Dan Electros with like Tom Petty, the kind of sound. So to me, this is my inexpensive Rick-esque guitar. And I say that with all the love because I understand that some people who love Rick and Bockers might get upset that I'm comparing like this $400 guitar to, to a Rick and Bocker, which I think Rick and Bockers, so you know, on their merit of their quality are some of the best made instruments in the world. They're one of the companies that, that, uh, that uh, never gets enough accolades for the fact that they're one of the few guitar companies that have held their ground the entire time. Ricks are made basically the same way they've always been made to the same quality standards. They don't they don't have an import line. There's nothing wrong with that. We like import lines. That's how we can afford things. But what I'm saying is it's nice when a company's like we have one level of quality and that's what we focus on. 
that idea is great. I love, I love those ideas. And that actually chimes into something that happened last week. I got a question from Nathan Sanye, and it was a top chat, and I didn't see it, and he texted me, let me know I missed it. And uh, the question was, what is my pet peeve? <laughs> this is a good, good school episode for me. Seems like all the questions are about me. Anyways, um, the uh, so what's my pet peeve? My pet peeve uh, with, uh, with guitar players. What's my pet peeve with guitar players? And uh, I, I, so my answer is really easy. I don't like anyone... Uh, I don't like it. I shouldn't say I don't like anyone. I don't like it when anyone talks in absolutes. And so it doesn't even have to be about guitar playing. You could just, anyone who speaks in that language really turns me off really quickly. Um, so I'm just not interested. Let me give you a great analogy or a great uh, kind of idea of how, an explanation of what I mean by that. If somebody was walking up to me and say, the best way to tune a guitar is this, I'm all ears because I'm always looking for the best way or a better way. If somebody says, the only way to tune a guitar as soon as somebody tells me the only way, let me tell you what my brain does immediately. If you were to walk up to me right now and say, the only way to do this, my brain immediately thinks I want to find another way because I just can't believe there's only one way to do something. And so I'm not saying that's the case. There's always one way to do something. I'm just saying in my experience, I have been wrong more than right. And that has taught me that I better not think in absolutes because absolutely i'm wrong more than i'm right everyone is <laughs> that's how you get right you do wrong right you mess up sometimes the mess ups uh, give us the best knowledge so i don't like it when people talk in absolutes it kind of kind of turns me off at, uh, in listening to them so that's my pet peeve there you go and then now we'll try and see if we can keep it more on the gear less about me um frank rizzo Dude, that's funny. Frank Rizzo just did a super chat for a dollar or a euro. Actually, that's more than a dollar. Frank Rizzo, if you guys remember the Jerky Boys, anybody back remember the old Jerky Boys? Frank Rizzo. So if you don't, I'm sure you can Google it. Um, the Waco Kid official says, I want to start collecting pedals. What's the best way to start? The best and only way to collect pedals or anything that you're going to collect is figure out what you love. If you, the reason is, is collecting is about, I mean, it's about a lot of things, but it's really about something to take your time and, and enjoy. Okay. So I collect pedals as well. Something I collect and I've morphed over the years in my collection of pedals. And I've been in the last, I'd say year and a half, pretty strong into just collecting boss pedals. I don't collect the crazy $400 boss pedals. I'm not interested. Some of you guys are great. You guys will send me an email like a lead. Hey, hey Phil, there's this crazy boss pedal on Reverb. Check it out. It's $600. I'm just not having it. In fact, so you know, I've had a couple boss pedals that I bought really good prices on and they worth, they became like worth three, $400. I immediately sold them and just bought some lower price boss pedals. I started collecting boss pedals because I realized that when I was a kid, a boss pedal was just really expensive and I couldn't afford it. And I was buying these boutique pedals and I was like laughing going, you know, it's funny, here I am buying a $200 pedal and I used to covet the $100 pedals by Boss. And so I like to pick them up used when I see one, give them a try. As you guys know, when I was in Nashville, I bought a fuzz pedal. But I actually love Boss pedals. I love the story behind Boss pedals. I like the history of Boss. It's just interesting to me. So that's what my, my advice to you. If you're going to start collecting pedals, don't don't worry about don't don't worry about which ones are going to be worth money one day. Don't worry about any of this stuff. Find something you like. It doesn't even have to be. Um, I have a friend, and he collects cheap cheap junky pedals. 
Like, his goal is to find a pedal he hates. I thought it was an interesting thing to do with your, your spare time, but it's, it's seriously, he, if he goes into a store and he sees a pedal for $16, he goes, oh, I bet you it sounds like a turd, and he buys it, and his hope is that when he gets home, he plugs in, he goes, ah, this is horrible. And he said, but believe it or not, most of the time you plug in, you're like, it's pretty good. Um, and it's because that's the thrill. The thrill is that how cheap can he buy a pedal and how bad pe can pedals get? He's not wrong because he's entertained by it. And through time, he's kind of figured out that there's a lot of pedals that we kind of stick our nose at, at that are awesome. So uh, just find what you love and follow that. If you don't have a love of pedals yet, you don't have any information or anything, um, well, then you need to find a, a starting point. And my suggestion probably first is to look at the music you like to play and see what kind of pedals might help your music and then that way you're buying in your your field um a couple of weeks ago or maybe it was last week somebody asked me what wacky pedals i had and i mentioned that i don't have any wacky pedals well, i don't play any weird uh music i play a lot of, most of the music i play is funk blues uh jazz especially for bass and uh, rock you know right some metal um I don't play anything too crazy. I don't play any like shoegaze music or anything. I'm, I'm not trying to insult anybody's uh, music. I don't know the names of all the weird musics, but I know that there's like, you know, these atmospheric droney tones and stuff. I'm just not, I don't do that. So I don't collect those pedals. They don't pertain to me. So same, same advice to you. Don't, don't buy anything that doesn't pertain to you. Unless of course that's what you're trying to collect. Right. Um, let's see. Um, and you know, Oh, side note. That because I just kind of point out um, about collecting because that gives me a point to, about collecting things that that don't pertain to you. I like to collect shredder guitars. <laughs> like I have some 80 shredders guitars because I'm not really an 80 shredder. So I love the idea of that. Like I I just I never was an 80 shredder. It was it was just it died right when I got into guitar. I think I've told this story before. When I started playing guitar, I I started my first guitar lesson literally, uh, I want to say it was 1989. So I always remind everybody, think about this. I start guitar and there's like Steve I Passion Warfare. There's, you know, uh, I think Dream Theater was around that time or right after that time. I mean, there was just definitely still the shredder thing was happening. You know, people were playing like Steve I and, and stuff. And within two years, that just became something you didn't play anymore. So interesting. Okay. What else do we got? Uh, Joseph says, Phil, I recently purchased a used Ernie Ball Music Man Armada. Have you ever played one? If so, do you think it's a good alternative to a Les Paul? I have never physically picked up the Ernie Ball Armada. It looks interesting. I, I think, I will tell you this. I think I was one of the only ones I remember when I first saw it. I remember thinking it was gorgeous. I remember that because I remember when I saw the first time they put it out, um, all my buddies were like, this was horrible looking, but I thought it was the coolest thing. It just looked so, it looked like, I don't know, something classy from the fifties, uh, and the future kind of mixed together. So I've never played one, but I've heard nothing but good things, but I've just never seen one in person. And do they still make them? Isn't that the thing they stopped? But I thought I saw a video with Rob Chapman had one made for him at the factory, but I don't know if I've seen him with it. I watched the documentary he did and I'm pretty sure that's what he ended up picking. Could be wrong because I'm going off my memory on this, and it was almost a year ago. Um, let's do a non-pin question. Let's see what else poking around. There's almost 700 of us, 650 of us. Oh, okay. Uh, 
Rob Brady says, hey, Phil, what's the best product for removing minor scratches and swirls from guitar finish? Um, I use a Stuart McDonald swirl remover. I'm sure it's a repackaged product from some, some other company, probably like Meguiar's or something like that. The deal is, though, um, you may have seen it in a video. Actually, I can tell you exactly the video I used it in. I did in the video Sharpen My Axe where I did Tyler Larson's guitar. He had s scratch marks all of his guitar, and I used that to buff uh, buff it out. Uh, in fact, uh, I use it with the, just a, uh, a microfiber cloth. Love that. In fact, um, I bought it. This is the important part. I bought it. It's not much uh, smaller than this uh, water jug that I bought from Stumac. And I think I bought it in 2009. <laughs> so it's 10 years old. I'm still using it. <laughs> so that's how long I've had it. I, I Every time I, grow, I go to reach for it, I think I'm going to open it up and it's just going to be all caked and no good, but it's still liquidy and works good and shakes up well. And I've had no separation issues with it. So I'll put a link in the description. I'm sure some of you guys know the alternative out there uh, with, you know, what other products that are like it. I, again, I've had no reason to go find the other product because I bought that one and then, you know, <laughs> I've had it ever since, but I know it works because I've been using it for 10 years and it works fantastic. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Thomas wants to know, what do I think about Duesenberg guitars? Um, you know, Duesenberg guitars are a strange guitar to me. Every time I see them, they look great. And uh, I've never really picked one up and played one. I, I think I mentioned this before. I have two good friends uh, that are, one's an amp builder and one's a, a luthier. And they both have one and they both love them. And so I respect their opinions. And so I would imagine they're good because they both have them. Me... Um, I've never seen them because every time I go into Guitar Center, that's where I've seen them. Or I shouldn't say I've never seen them. I've never played them because every time I go into Guitar Center, they always have them up high. You know, and you have to get the guy out with the ladder, and it's a whole process. And I, I wish I knew more about them. I always feel like it's so controversial. I did the How Do You Say video, and I used Duesenberg in it. And there's always this controversy about the fact that they're German, but they're made in Korea. And um, it's definitely a brand I would love to spend some time and learn more about. So they're def they're definitely seem nice. Brian says Stumac has a tool sale going on now. That's crazy because I didn't know they did sales. <laughs> that that helps. <laughs> so as we know, the stuff is pricey. Um Okay, and Hey, and C. Burgess says, hey, uh, hey guys, let's hit that like button for Phil. Yeah, you know what? That'd be awesome. Uh, it, it's nice. It always helps the, I guess, the algorithm. Who knows what it does? So it makes me feel better. <laughs> I, although I do kind of chuckle. Like I started today's show and there was like four thumbs down. And I thought, huh. <laughs> I'm like, Ralph is multiplying. So let's see what else we got. Um, we have some, I'm switching over to the screen to look at some other questions over here uh this one comes from david david wants to know about a modern player telly or a mini bucker in a mexico okay the question is modern player telly or mini bucker in a mexi strat i have no sorry david i don't think i understand the question are you are you asking me the modern player say i'm thinking like the fender modern player telly is a type of guitar and then or should you put a mini bucker in a mexican strat the modern player telly is a fantastic guitar, um, if that's what we're talking about. Uh, I have played many of them. I've set many of them up. 
The only negative of the guitar, it's not a big deal, just worth mentioning, it's one of the only, especially in concurrent production, fenders that is made in China. It might be made in Indonesia now, but it was made in China or Indonesia. It's uh, one of the only products that they don't make in either the Mexico or the U.S. plant. Nothing negative about that. Just I thought it's a, no, it's noteworthy is what it is. Um, uh, otherwise, a mini bucker and a Mexican Strat, that's like all that's all day long. That's my choice. As much as I like the... So here's how we'll do this. I would pick a Mexican Strat with a mini humbucker over the modern player as much as I like the modern player just because I like Mexican-made Strats. So Jeff Harper did a super chat for no reason just to say hi and do put that in the jar. I appreciate that. And... Uh, okay, this is a crazy question, Raymond. Uh, he wants to know, so a baritone with a capo equals standard scale or st at standard? Um, man, I don't have a baritone in front of me. So I would imagine, what does it start with? It's B to B, right? That would be the baritone. So the next, the first fret's A? I, I don't know. So I would imagine, I guess the question, again, without looking at it, is at what point do you capo it and become standard? Uh, well, you would just walk it up, right? So it starts at B and then it goes to A and then A sharp, right? Uh, no, what am I doing? A, uh, C, sorry. So it'd be, it'd be B, <laughs> it's going to be C, C sharp, D. Wow, it'd have to go a while before it gets to, but yeah, in theory, at some point you would capo it and it would be E to E. Man, I wish I was more savvy at this in my head. It's just not something I can, I can do without looking at it in front of me if that's the question. Um, but the reason I'm answering the question, usually I defer and say I don't know, but as much as I don't know in that to do in my head right here, I'd rather talk about the uh, the logic of doing it. Um, my guess is it would not feel very good. Yeah, and Michael's saying it depends on the baritone scale. That's the See, that's the other problem too. I actually have two baritone guitars and they're actually both very different baritones. <laughs> Um, so it's a little tough, but here's my, here's my thought on this. I would not, <laughs> I would not capo a baritone. First of all, you need a, a, need a special capo because not all capos have the strength to clip, to clamp down and hold down, uh, that much tension with those bigger strings. Um, yeah. So, and I know a lot of you guys are popping in with some good an an answers and stuff. So again, I hope that helps, uh, uh Raymond as well, but Raymond, the best, uh, basically, I just wanted to say, I wouldn't recommend doing it. It's not something I've seen that would be practical. I understand if you have a baritone, um, you know, maybe that's the only guitar you have. Can you do it standard? Um, yes. Um, I mean, yes. Could you capo and make a standard? I mean, of course you can figure out anything, but, uh, I wouldn't if you didn't have to. Um, in fact, even if you have to, I'd try to find another way around that. Um, Jeff Harper says, hey, Phil, is there a 335 shirt? I don't think so. I don't think we did a 335 shirt. Um, I think what we ended up doing was there's a hollow body shirt. So, uh, so Jeff, uh, if you email me at asknowyourgear at gmail.com, uh, just ask know your gear at gmail.com. Just put in the subject t-shirt and then say uh, 335 shirt. I will forward that to Shauna. I'm pretty sure. Well, I know there's a hollow body shirt cause I have one, but I don't remember what hollow body's on it. I thought it was a single cut hollow body. Um, I just don't remember. So, but 
it's a great question because we can always ask my wife if she has that logo or if she can make that logo. Because making a campaign on uh, is pretty easy. Plus, we have a, a local uh, custom shirt uh, person who can make shirts if we need them, um, which are a little better quality, a little better shirts too. So we just do our best to accommodate everyone. Um, because keep in mind, every time you buy a shirt, you're doing a bunch of things. First, you're supporting the channel, which I appreciate. Uh, second, you're advertising for my channel, which I really appreciate, <laughs> right? Um, especially since, I don't know if you guys know this, but I used to, uh, when you guys used to send the pictures of the shirts to me, I used to get such a kick just seeing all the crazy uh, 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 pictures, and I still love them to this day. If you go to the website now, I actually updated the website this week so that on the front page you can see all the people with shirts. And uh, so if you have pictures of yourself with a shirt, please send them to me. I love seeing those, and I love using them in the, in the, in the videos. But the other thing now that's happened over time with the channel that's very impressive is you know you guys you have seriously done something in this industry that is interesting which is i have been approached by many companies now big companies right like impressive companies the big ones uh saying when they're at events they see so many of the new year gear shirts that it's they say it's impressive you know what i mean so it really, really like it, it really feels good, man. Let me tell you, that just feels awesome. Um, so thank you for that because it's nice. It's like a giant community of guitar geeks. <laughs> oh, the other thing is, I should say this too. Another thing that I noticed that they all say too when they tell me about the shirts because these companies will go, hey, you know, at the so and so, like the Sweetwater event, they'll go, at the Gear Fest, there was some bunch of New Year Gear shirts, or at like, you know, NAM, there was a bunch of New Year Gear shirts, or wherever, rock concerts. Um, but uh, the thing that kind of makes me chuckle is they always go, I was, th that's when they say that. But the thing that they say that always, seriously, like it just, it just makes me happy <laughs> is when they tell me, I was talking to somebody the other day who was wearing one of your shirts. Um, your, your viewers are very like into guitar. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I would imagine if they're. <laughs> you're watching what i'm doing they gotta be a, a little bit geeky and i and i love that because i'm very geeky so I'm, I'm i love being a nerdy geek kind of for guitar stuff so I, I have no problem with it so i hope uh thank you guys for that i just want to say i should said thank you a long time ago because it is something that's been coming up lately uh and ellen uh just said ellen just got a new KYD shirt love them thank you so much again uh and if you have pictures send them to me uh and be, you know watch the pictures some of you guys i understand don't want to be in the photos that's cool just be creative, right? I think somebody put one of the shirts on their dog. It was awesome. So um, anyway, anything's just fun. Just fun to see all the creativity you guys have. Um, okay, so Brian's got a question. Brian's question is, Phil, is there any way you won't buy used? Um, yeah, you know, uh, there is. Um, first, I, you know, I, I'm assuming used. We're going to say used online because I think that's a more practical uh, problem. Okay, then used in person. Used in person, you can really kind of sense what a piece of gear is. Use online. Uh, the reasons I would not buy it online is if I get a weird read from the seller, which happens. Okay, so for instance, uh, if I ask a question and they're kind of jaunty, rude, uh, put out, I imagine that if they're my logic is if they're crappy to you before they got your money, it's not going to get better once they have your money. So sometimes I'll back off if I get the wrong vibe. Go with my gut instinct on that. Not every time. Sometimes you can just tell somebody's just 
that's just their personality. There's nothing wrong with being straightforward and not having not not everybody has to be like, thanks a lot, bro. You're the best. Right. Just some people are just like, yes, that's not what I mean. What I mean is like, I will not answer questions. Don't bother asking. That usually is like, I think I'll go pass. Right. Um, I tend to also um, not like anything that feels too good to be true sometimes. And again, sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. What I mean by that is everything about it kind of reads weird. Like, you know, it's the greatest guitar I've ever. I'm always weird by that. It's the greatest guitar I've ever owned. All right. So why are we selling it? You know, uh, maybe they need money, but so like that. Um, so I guess my, uh, what I'm trying to tell you is the majority of the time that I won't buy a piece of gear used has nothing to do usually with the gear. It has to do with the seller. The seller will freak me out more than the gear. Um, because that comes from, you know, I, like I said, you have a guitar store for a decade, you know, plus you tend to figure out the truth is there is a majority, a majority, there is a large majority of people out there who are out to take advantage and so you have to look for that so if you get a bad vibe go with the bad vibe in other words just trust your gut yep phil mosley says uh, going with your gut uh, gut feeling is generally a good rule yes your first instinct usually is right and uh and what happens is i always find logically it's 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 not logic it's emotion that always steers me in the right way when it comes to these kind of things and logic is what screws me over so what i mean by that is emotion i go this is weird i should walk and then my brain goes yeah don't be distrusting <laughs> you know what i mean and then your brain logically comes up with a reason why and you'll you'll get you'll get messed over so go with your gut 9 out of 10 times you'll probably be right um, so Matt Thomas says, what's the best mini tube amp for modern metal? Uh, I don't know what the best one is. I can just tell you my favorites. My favorite is definitely the MT 15 by PRS, the EVH by uh, LBX. Uh, if you need a clean channel, the second one, otherwise I thought the first one sounded a little better. The PV 51 or 6505 mini is pretty good. Although I say that because I obviously have owned two. One was good and one was defective. So I always remember, you know, the defective one always kind of reminds me that, you know, there's issues I should point out. Um, I like my Grandmeister 40, but to be honest with you, the Grandmeister 40, as much as I love it, it's, it's a lot more expensive than those amps. So, um, and if the question is, do I like it more than those other amps? I like having the features. So yeah, I do like it more than those other amps, but it's not because the necessary tone is better. It's just literally has so many options. It's fun to play through. Um, and of course, uh, in the small box amp category, a lot of people like orange. I've never really owned them, although I've liked everyone I've played, you know, in that price point. Uh, what else for metal in the small box category? That's reasonable. Everything I'm thinking, you didn't say reasonable price, but I was thinking everything about sub $1,000 over $1,000. I mean, I think all of them, <laughs> I don't think I've played a bad one yet. The, 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 my Mesa boogie Mark five mini is awesome. The Freedmans are great. So, uh, hold on. Like I said, I'm jumping back and forth. There's 700 of us. So the scrolls a little faster. You can always tell when it goes up another 50, people. Cause it scrolls a little first, uh, faster. Um, let's see. SD design says, Ola, Arizona. I am your neighbor from San Diego. Love San Diego. I love to visit San Diego. The weather is amazing every time. So it's great. 
Okay, hold on a second. Uh, J Bogue Nap says, Phil, thoughts on dropping a HSS pickguard into a Squire Contemporary HH Strat? I want a maple fretboard. Uh, fingerboard. Yeah, um, I think uh, dropping a pickguard into a Squire is one of the best ideas you can do. Uh, to you know, if you don't like the way the Squire sounds, upgrade that. The recommendation I give you is to do exactly what you're talking about. Drop the new pickguard in the Squire and keep the old one. The only reason I say keep the old one is if you ever sell the guitar, put it back to stock. You'll never get your money back out of the uh, new pickguard or aftermarket pickguard. Even if you buy one of those, a, a lower priced one, doesn't matter. You'll never get the money out of it. Just might as well put the old parts back on the guitar when you sell it off or if you sell it off and use the pickguard for the next guitar. That's what I love about that. So I'm a big proponent for keeping original parts just because that's where you see a lot of people lose a lot of money real quick. And when you mod up a guitar, you, uh, when I do these mod videos, a lot of people will use that as a, as in the comments, they'll say, why mod this guitar? It's a waste of money. And my logic always is, well, it's only a waste of money. If you, you know, if you sell the guitar with all those mods in it, you will lose all that money, but you can always use those mods on the next guitar or another guitar. If you're into modding guitars, right? That's another thing too. I understand when some people don't understand the modding guitar thing, they're like, I don't understand putting $200 into a $300 guitar. Well, you're probably not into modding, right? By that logic, I don't understand baking an apple pie if you can go buy one. If the, my logic is I want to eat in, you know, an apple pie, I guess I'll just go buy one. But some people like to bake. <laughs> so same thing. It's different strokes for different folks. Everybody's trying to get something out of their time. Sometimes working on guitars is as fun as playing guitar. I find that to be true. One of the things I like about working on guitars is as much as I like playing guitar, sometimes I don't like playing with other musicians. Not every musician's a good person. <laughs> One thing about anybody who's played in bands, you know, sometimes to find out how bad a person is, you just be in a band with them. You'll figure it out. In fact, that's probably the best test for you younger ones out there that ever think about getting married. Try to get in a band with, <laughs> with somebody you want to marry. You'll find out real fast if you like them or not. A band brings out the worst qualities in people sometimes. Sometimes. So, um, let's see. Uh, Neil, Neil says, thanks for the cable video. Your thoughts on wireless connectors compared to cables. Are they affected when using a pedal board compared to just an amp guitar? Can you recommend a good brand? That's a great question. You know, it's funny. I, I like that video. That video I just did, what he's talking about guys is I did a video this week, why guitar 18 foot thing. And then I thought when I made that video, which I thought was going to be two minute video fast, I felt like I was confusing people more than helping them. So then I added more information. The problem with those videos for me is they're great because I think it's more about just, hey, did you know this? This is why, they, what an arbitrary number and here's why somebody would pick that. Um, the question uh, that you're asking me is, you know, what are my thoughts on wireless? I don't use wireless units. It has nothing to do with me being at home more than I'm playing. I never used wireless units. I won't say never. I think I had one once literally I think my second or third year of playing guitar um you know and I bought a wireless unit because I had a half stack and it was like a half stack and a wireless and I will be professional no understanding of any wireless unit I've never owned anything um my wireless unit the only one I've ever owned was a telex I'm not even sure if telex makes wireless units anymore um and I bought the telex wireless unit. I'll never forget this because I bought it like 90 one or 92, probably 92. I bought a Telex wireless unit because when I went to the store, they said, I said, Nady, because I remember everybody in the, man, the 80s, it was Nady. And I said, I want a Nady wireless. And the guy behind the store goes, we have Telex. And I go, oh, is that any good? And he goes, it's what the 
football players use at the NFL? I'm like, at the Super Bowl. I'm like, oh, well, it's got to be good there. But on the other part of the question was, are they affected when using a pedal board compared to just an amp? Um, and can you recommend a good brand? Well, I can't recommend a good brand, although uh, a lot of people like the Line 6 ones, but please don't take that as a recommendation. I'm just telling you what I hear. That's a lot of things I hear. I'm sure people will have comments down below to add to that. Um, but as the other thing uh, about what they're affected by, a lot of them have switches. Um, so that's that's to, to do that. Again, I'm just not a wireless guy. I don't know. You know, uh, actually what I'd be curious to track out is the Boss wirelesses. I have heard, that is one wireless I've heard as equally, it's weird. I've had two friends tell me it was amazing and two friends tell me it was the worst thing they ever owned. And they, I thought that was just so strange. I've never heard 50-50 before. I've never heard half the people say it was horrible and half the people say it was good. So I was curious about that. So that's a wireless I was curious about. Um, let's see. And uh, Matt says, Matt Presley says, I have a jack on my my guild semi-hollow body where the nut is stripped. Yep. Uh, I can't get to the nut off to replace the jack. Should I cut it off with a Dremel? Matt, that's a question, unfortunately, uh, that Matt and then the pitcher, and uh, I'll take a look at it and uh, give you a suggestion so of what how I can handle it. So, the, you know, if you could just take a couple quick pictures with your phone, that would help me see it. That that would help. Um, you know, that was this is an interesting time to bring this up. Somebody had mentioned doing videos like that where you guys send in pictures of problems you have and then i not in a live format like this but then i would that would be the video would i would be look at it and give you suggestions there's car channels that do that you tell them the problem send them some pictures and then they give you some some input on that uh i think that would be great i would love to do that um especially since one thing i could do is i have resources so in other words if I, even if i can't uh even if i don't know the fix i probably could reach out, which I've done before in the past. A lot of you guys send me a lot of emails or questions that email address. We try to you know, get to a lot of them. We can't get to all of them. We just can't. It has nothing to do with how many that come. It has, it has to do with how many come at one particular time. Sometimes I get you know, 10 emails in a day and we'll answer all 10. Sometimes I get 100 in a day. I, I can't do it. I just can't get to it. And the problem is by the time, by the time we do get to them, it's been two, three weeks, and I, sometimes I just think, well, I don't want to spend 10 minutes typing an answer to a question that's probably been handled by now. So so uh, it's uh, so Matt, my don't worry. If you send me the pictures, just put Matt. I'll make sure I get it done uh, tonight or tomorrow. I'll, I'll give you a, a, a thoughts on it um, because, I again, I don't want to give you any advice without seeing it. Uh, Adam Garrett says, would love to see a KYG shirt with an Ibanez base. You know, it's funny. That's probably a good idea since I play a lot of Ibanez bases. Uh, I like Fender and Ibanez bases and of course my Warwick, but my Warwick was a custom one and that's the main one I use now because it's custom. Um, but maybe, maybe, maybe that'd be a cool base shirt because like I said, I like that. Um, Adam, I will, what I can tell you though, Adam is if you really, really want one of those shirts, again, do the same thing. Email me at asknowyourgear, uh, gmail, asknowyourgear at gmail.com. And I will forward over, over to my wife. Uh, she will respond. My wife is way more diligent about responding than I am. <laughs> uh, so she'll at least respond to you and tell you if it's possible. 
So if she can get it done or not, if if she can make uh, the graphic, because that's what it's about. If she can do the graphic, because she has templates of, of course, it's a stick figure graphic. She has templates of it. She can input some stuff. Of course, because of legal reasons, we can't copy any one instrument down to the T. Of course, we don't do that. We change the headstocks and stuff. We have our own designs for certain things, but it will be Ibanez esque. I mean, the whole idea is to give you the, uh, something that gives you pride of ownership. You know that we know that's the instrument you love and you want. If you want to support my channel, you want also a piece of yourself in the in the in the shirt. I get that as well. Um, Victor says, thinking of getting a good Strat. What do you think of Sir guitars? Are they worth the money, or should I get a regular Fender USA? Sir guitars are fantastic. <laughs> okay, that's fantastic. That's uh, I, I, every time I pick up a Sir guitar, I'm in love with the way that they play. Um, on that being said, uh, obviously I bought an Ibanez AZ. The reason I did that was because Sirs are the Sir I was looking at was three grand. That was a crazy amount of money, and for me, and uh, it was heavy. I can't find a light one. Every time I spend hours on reverb, looking at Sir guitars, looking at the weights, and all of them are like eight pounds, eight and a half pounds. They seem to be on the heavier side. I like the Strats on the lighter side. Um, so that's what ended up happening. I ended up getting the AZ. And then, of course, in my situation, I was in a situation in Germany where I found the right guitar for me, which was the AZ, and I got that. So to answer your question, do I think you should get a Sir or should you save the money and get a Fender USA? I can't tell you which one to get, even though that's what you're asking me to <laughs> kind of give you input. But the input I will give you is this. I don't think you'll regret either situation. I think a Fender USA guitar and some money in your pocket, you're going to feel good. It's a great problem to have, buddy, is what I'm trying to say, Victor, is don't 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 make this a stressful situation. Make this a fun situation. Either shuck out the money and get the Sir and say, hey, I got it. I'm happy. Or put some money in your pocket and get the Fender and I'm happy. But either way, you sh this is a great choice. Me, personally, I went the Fender route almost every time. I bought the Fender. Although, like I said, every time I pick up a Sir, I go, it's a work of art. They're, they play great. Um... Joseph's got a question. It says, Phil, can you offer any tips on how to set up an American Deluxe Tele with a traditional bridge, saddles with comp and, uh, compound radius neck? Um, with a, Let's see. So the question is, the tip to set it up? Hmm, that's a good question. Let me take a drink real quick. So some tips. Um, well, I could give you the train method that Ron Thorne told us, right? Uh, but I think what I'll do is I'll go the easiest thing. Um, you know, I have a sheet. Let me let me cop out a little bit and, and back up a little bit. Uh, on the knowyourgear.net website, there is a PDF page. There's a downloadable page, and on there is my setup sheet. So I, I feel like just telling you, I feel like I was about to regurgitate my setup process, but really my setup process is in print. You can print it so you know. Uh, and that's what I do. So the first thing I do tips is I, I measure everything out and I see where it's at. Um, I have a video coming has nothing to do with setups. It's a little fun trick I do, uh, that I've never done before. And it's going to be on another channel. And I promise when it happens, I'll tell you guys about it. But, uh, the, the trick I'm, I'm leaking a little bit of it. And I feel awkward telling you guys this cause I don't want to take the excitement from the video comes out, but there's a little trick I can do where if you show me the type of pick you have and I ask you a couple questions, I can tell you exactly what the measurements on your guitar is. It's a fun little game. Uh, it comes from uh, doing years of setups, but always measuring everything out. So my tip is always measure everything out because you learn a lot about the guitar and where it's at and then make adjustments based on those measurements. So I would use my sheet and do that. And I highly recommend uh, that you guys, a lot of you guys have done this already. If you, uh, 
if you uh, like the sheets, but you think they can be improved. I've seen some people improve them and send me back, and I've actually made some uh, some changes to them since then. You know, it's what's great about that is I try to be very open-minded. I definitely don't think I got all the good ideas. So, but I, I think I can cultivate good ideas. So, if you guys have good ideas on on the repair sheets, if you see them, please send them to me. Um, uh, love love sharing that stuff. We it, making us all better. It just makes everything fun. Um, and then let's see back to the main page, what you guys are talking about. Uh, okay. Hold on a second. Uh, all about guitars just wants me to let him, <laughs> wants me to know he's, uh, I'm it's, Phil. I'm so glad I have a Fender custom shop. Uh, the Fender custom shops are nice. They are. I have a custom shop, but I've been on the record as saying I like my standard as much. Um, what I what I will tell you is this: my custom shop is a great guitar. There's no questions about that. But as many strats as I've played, for some reason that green one just stuck with me. It just it just I don't know. Just I like it. Uh, Primal 58 wants to know what's my thoughts on the Ventura Ventura line Ventura line by Fender. I haven't tried them at all. Um, Tony wants to know if I finished the amp build. No, the problem with the amp build, I get that. The problem is I get that question a lot on a lot of videos when I post the videos like, Hey, whatever happened to the amp build or whatever happened to the amp build. The problem with the amp build is I filmed it out of order because I was doing a video with a friend who's an amp builder to do some cool content. And then all the trips came. And then really what really kind of just put a wrench in it was when I was doing the amp build, I was trying to finish it before I did all these traveling over the summer. But then Stu Mac reached out and said, Hey, would you, would you be interested in doing two videos, uh, for our channel? And, uh, and, uh, so of course, as you guys have seen on this channel, if you watched any of these podcasts, you know, as soon as anybody asks me to do something like that, I'm always like, yes. Hey, you want to do this thing? Yes. You want to be on my channel? Yes. You want to, right? Yes. I try to say yes more than no. Uh, and, um, so I said, yes, what happened with Stu Mac, which is interesting. Uh, and, and, and now I can feel like I could talk about it. Uh, not like I can't talk about it, but it's now it's, maybe it's the time to talk about it. it makes sense. If you watch those videos on Stu Mac, they're really interesting to me because they, what I thought was going to happen, I think I said this, what I thought would happen when they asked me to do videos on the, on their channel was like, Oh, I'd go to them. Like I do when I collaborate with like, when I did the Tolman video, I was on Tolman's channel. I went to Tolman and I'm on their channel, you know, right. I was on Marty Schwartz's channel. I went to his studio and I'm on his channel. They literally just said, great. And then a box showed up at my house with all that stuff that's in those videos. And that's it. Just make a video, which I highly appreciate by the way. Because, I mean, it's great. I mean, they gave me no, they gave me no instruction really, but they gave me no parameters. They didn't try to restrict my comment. They were trying, they told me flat out, we were trying, they were testing an idea. Could they put a video on their channel that had a more of an organic feel to it? In other words, not being, you know, the typical format for them. So they were trying to do something different. The reason I'm telling you that is because those videos, I, I knocked those two videos out. Those are the most intense videos I've ever done time-wise. Um, way more work than I've ever done on any other videos. So those videos, in fact, so, you know, the second video, the one with the Les Paul, I was editing till 2am in the morning and my flight left at four in the morning when I went to Germany. That's how down to the minute I was on those videos. Um, 
which is tough. So there you go. And a uh, little fun fact <laughs> on those videos, all, all my repair videos, my shop uh, is in, I have a th- uh, garage. I have a three car garage. So my shop is one of the sections of the garage. And, uh, you know, I built a shop out of there and I have cooling in there, but it's swamp cooling. It's not AC. And so, but the problem is it doesn't matter. It's, it's cold enough. The problem is I cannot run the cooler when I videotape, when I video. Uh, and I've tried every scenario. There's just no way around it. I can't even run fans. The, the mics pick up the fans. Even when I record in here, I can't have fans. So the reason I tell you that is uh, when I do these videos, sometimes it's like 110 outside. Even at night, it's like 105. So once I turn off the cooler and start filming, I can only film for about 20, 30 minutes before I think I die. <laughs> it's like locking an animal in the car. It's like, but it's like, uh, so that's what that's the so that's what's going on and that's the problem now with the amp build is is that I have to finish it but I got half it done I got my friend I need him to get back to help me finish the rest of the video and I can only do the video at 30 minutes increments at a time because it's 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 literally 100 and it was 115 the other day here so uh, oh Peter goes what is swamp cooling great let me explain. <laughs> <laughs> Swamp Cooler is, is uh, Peter is a fan that runs a uh, a, a water through basically uh, corrugated looking uh, paper filters. So the water goes through the filters and the fan blows air through the the water, and um, it uh, it cools it cools uh, the temperature of the home. We our temperature of the room. Um, you know when I grew up, I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. My home growing up, we only had a swamp cooler. We didn't have AC. I live in Phoenix now. Literally, a swamp cooler will not work here. It's too hot because the swamp cooler only think it can cool the temperature about 20 degrees. Well, if it's 115 outside, it's just not. That's not cool enough. Um, so yeah, swamp cooling is an evaporative cooler. Okay, maybe evaporative cooler is uh, is is more accurate. We call it swamp coolers here. Um, but more importantly, what I've noticed is is that it's not even the evaporative cooler. If you live in a humid climate. That thing doesn't make sense. Like we have a lot of misters here. We use a lot of misters and uh, evaporative coolers because uh, moving the air, it's so dry here that it, it feels good. So, uh, so let's see. Uh, Michael Nelson. Hey, Michael, what's up, buddy? By the way, check out Michael's channel if you want to see an awesome channel. I'll, I'll link something, Michael. Still one of my favorite channels for sure. Uh, we had a swamp cooler at my high school. It made the book soggy. You know what? Growing up, <laughs> I remember was uh, the problem here in Arizona is, again, you'd run the swamp cooler again uh, to cool the house down. It would cool the house down fine because, you know, it was in Tucson, it was like 100. And I told you it would drop to like 20 degrees, so it was like 80 in the house. So it's fine. You can live in that, 80, 78. But when the monsoons would come, the house would feel damp and the carpet, everything would feel damp. It was the weirdest feeling. And... Um, and I remember like people would visit from uh, like out of state and they'd be like, this is the weirdest thing ever. And I don't know. To me, it was just normal. Uh, ah, Brad says they use those at the hangar of the airport. The fans are about six foot tall. Yeah, same thing. I have basically a smaller version of what you have, Brad, and it works great until you have to turn it off. And not only do I have to turn it off, but to record, uh, my shop is insulated, um, but, but I have to actually shut off you know, I can't even have the, the, the bay open or anything, anything open. So again, it gets really hot, really fast. And I only have a problem, to be honest with you, 
now, July and August, which sucks because, like I said, I I, la- I started le- traveling in June, so it's this it's this month. So I can tell you right now the amp video will get done, but it's just moving slow because I anytime I have to be in there, it's just really hot. So Travis wants to know where's Ralph. Ralph's at work. <laughs> he can only do the live shows if I do it on Saturday. I can't do it tomorrow. Uh, I've been thinking about doing one on a Saturday. Maybe next week we'll do it on Saturday if you guys are up for that uh, and have him on. I know you guys like having him because he's unfiltered and he'll say whatever he wants, <laughs> uh, which is good. It's nice. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. You know, uh, what's the saying? He knows where all the bodies are buried, but luckily for me, I don't have too much, too many skeletons to worry about. Uh, SG Flying V says, ever try to fender El Diablo Strat? Might get one. No. Um, sadly enough, the new software that I'm using to do these videos this is what you're talking about because this is what i found i see a the el diablo heavy relic aged black strat it says no longer available maybe it's something else so my quite i uh, guess my answer to you sg flying b is i've never tried one and uh don't know what it is so be cool if you have a way if you can send it to me like uh, i'd love to see it rna music what's up rna music have you ever tried the el diablo pickups from duncan <laughs> This is, nope. <laughs> Apparently, there's a lot of El Diablo stuff. By the way, Ryan, um, uh, I know I've been texting you back and forth. I think you forget me your information. I have something. Uh, I think she says she's got it all taken care of. Something exciting coming. So I'll let you know when. Um, but I've never tried the, you know what? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. On the El Diablo pickups, I need to look because this might be what I think it is. Yes, these are the Scott Ian pickups, right? Yes. Um, have I ever tried the El Diablo pickups? Yes, they're in Ralph's Charvel. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're the Scott Ian pickups. If they're not the Scott Ian pickups, it doesn't matter. They're actually... Uh, so to answer the question, uh, have I ever tried them? Yes, they're in Ralph's uh, Strat. Or sorry, Charvel. Um, yeah, and I'm looking on their website. It's 160 bucks. I remember... Because um, one day we were doing a Seymour Duncan order and <laughs> Ralph saw that on the list. He didn't look at the price and he ordered them. And then when they came in, I was like, these are like 160 bucks street price. And I said, you got to buy these. And then uh, Ralph didn't have a guitar to put them in. So he bought a Charvel and that's what he stuck in the Charvel. Uh, he loves the pickup, but he likes high output pickups like that. So uh, so to to answer your question, I have tried them. They're not my thing because I'm not really not into high gain pickups, but they're definitely. I thought they sounded better than the X2Ns by Dimarzio, and I thought for those high gain kind of ceramic pickups, uh, this you know the uh, X2Ns are cool. It's an Alnico two bridge, so it's uh, so it's Alnico two. Well, it's definitely got a ceramics strip in there. Hold on a second, Alnico. The pick the magnets are extra hot. The DC DC I'm reading their rhetoric. Thick saturation. Yeah, it's 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 a monster pickup. I can tell you this. It's the high it's one of the highest gain pickups um sound wise I've heard. So if you're looking for that, it'll have it. It's like a flamethrower. Ralph loves it. The hold on, there's another pen question, but I know Brian, hold on, buddy. Before I answer yours, I just want to get back to the main screen and answer. There's 717 of us on here, and I don't want to miss out on some other questions as well because they scroll pretty fast. 
<laughs> uh, okay, so, uh, Jay, I'm not laughing. I just got to read this. Phil, I threw my $4,000 Custom Shop 3 pickup SG 25 feet at the end of my punk show, and I didn't catch it. What do I do? Well, it can be fixed, uh, without a doubt, uh, you know. Um, so that's the good news. Um, I don't care. I would imagine the headstock broke off and if it didn't, it, whatever damage cracks can be fixed. So the answer is what do you do? Uh, you find a qualified luthier to fix it. If you don't know any in you, your area, maybe I can help you find any. If you need to ship it to somebody, I know qualified guys that can do the work that I recommend. Um, but it can be fixed. The next thing I would recommend if you're in a punk rock show, I don't know if I would use a $4,000 custom shop pickup guitar. Um, because of this reason. <laughs> so, uh, if it was me, I'd uh, maybe get an Epiphone or one of the stri the stripped down satin series SGs and maybe take that to the punk rock show. You know, it's, you know, that, that's my advice. Uh, you know, keep in mind when, when the big acts take $4,000 guitars on stage, they were given them by the companies. The, the rest of us that have to buy these guitars, you have to make more financially sound decisions so i would say take your high-end guitars and leave them home and bring more affordable stuff to a punk rock show um rb's rb's says phil what are your thoughts on having a guitar plecked um i own a couple guitars that were plecked i didn't ask them to be plecked you know like the gibsons come plecked uh and every time uh my uh GNL was plecked. Um, every time I get a guitar that is plecked, I cannot notice anything that is different than if, let's say, the guitar was just set up really nice. You know what I mean? Or just set up in general. I don't feel anything like, wow, this is amazing. Um, the, the, the question with the pleck for me is they tend to do this strange thing when plecking guitars. They pleck guitars that are nice. Nice guitars will play nice, so it's hard to have a reference of what a pleck versus a hand, you know, a person hand setting up or doing the work themselves can do. Um, I had a video idea I, I asked Sweetwater to do, which was, uh, they, and they said they would like to do, just I, I, you know, we never could set it up. But the idea was uh, to have them pleck a Squire and then compare it to a, to a nice American Strat to see would people like the Squire if it was plecked as much as the American Strat performance-wise. Um, but we were never able to put those two together. So uh, the, the come together and do that. Uh, I would love to do that video, uh, so you know. And uh, uh, so maybe it's something I can, you know, eventually that's the plan. That's the idea, to pleck a low-end guitar and compare it to a high-end guitar. I think it'd be a great video. And I think it'd be enlightening. A lot of companies, I know this, when I go to companies, every time I go to a factory, every factory, they always say, here, here's our plaque machine. I have so much footage of plaque machines. And I always tell them, I go, that doesn't really tell me anything. I get it. You stick in this thing the size of a refrigerator. It, it plecks the guitar. And, you know, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? But to me, I, just like the cable test, I understand I can put it on a scope and it will tell me whether or not, you know what I mean, the capacitance is happening or not. I, I want to use my ear. I want to use my hands to tell if, if, if the guitar plays great. I don't, I don't want, you know, just a machine to tell me it plays great. I want to play it and go, yes, it's noticeably better. Um, somebody's asking, uh, Primal58 says, could somebody explain what plect means? Plect is a plec a plecking machine is a machine that you, uh, you put the guitar in. Once the guitar is done, 
And it doesn't have to be it, during the manufacturing process. You can do it like at, uh, Sam Ash in Hollywood has a pluck machine in the store. You can take a guitar, put it inside this machine. They calibrate the machine by actually sending the information about the guitar to the main headquarters, which I think is like in Germany or somewhere in Europe. And then uh, they send the information back. And based on that information, it tells the machine exactly when they're crowning leveling your they're leveling your frets they're doing it precisely based on that guitar and precise measurements and it does all this stuff now so you know when it's done it still has a little bit of hand work done to it so it's called plect right we call it a pleck it because it's a plecking machine um and uh a lot of companies use them like i said gibson uses them uh i think Music Man has a pluck machine. I'm not sure, but GNL has a pluck machine. Framus has a pluck machine. Like I said, when you go to Mace Post, uh, Fender did not have pluck machines the last time I was there. Um, but uh, they're expensive. The machines are expensive, and now it's even more expensive because they've slowly shifted the business model of pluck. Originally, I think it was like buy the machine and then you get the service, and now it's like you buy the machine but then you pay for the service. So they have to pay for the service, a monthly service or a yearly service. So there you go. Josco Plumbing Supply says, hey, is your gem yellow? Uh, he means my Ibanez Steve I gem still available? Nope, I sold it this week. I sold my yellow gem. I still have my floral. I'm not selling my floral. I sold the yellow gem to pay for the AZ guitar I just bought uh, from Germany that was not. <laughs> I'm laughing because I, I think I told you guys the story behind that guitar. If I didn't, uh, maybe I'll tell you guys next week. It was, uh, it was more than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> It ramped up fast. That situation changed. It's one of those situations where uh, always understand what you're stepping into before you step. Uh, but I love the guitar. And I like it more than my gym. So it was okay. Uh, Dave wants to know if I'm a Beatles fan. I'm a bass player, buddy. So that means absolutely I'm a Beatles fan. <laughs> so I, I I don't trust a bass player that doesn't like the Beatles. I mean, I might be friends with them, but I don't trust them. <laughs> the, so... Uh, let's see. Uh, Dell Bodner says testing, testing. Okay. That's good. Did I miss a comment earlier from you, buddy? I don't think so. Okay. He's just testing. Okay. Um, Brian wants to know Wilkinson WV, WV2-SB trim on a Schecter Korean HSS. Uh, I already know this because he just got a new Korean HSS Strat. Uh, height screws on the saddles are sharp, annoying, good replacements that will be more comfortable. Um, yes. Somebody just sent me this question today. The question today was on the John Mayer guitar. They said that they the action on the John Mayer guitar was high. They lowered it, and then now the, 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 the screws are s scratching their hand. And uh, they contacted PRS and PRS said, just grind them down or save them down. They asked me what to do. And I explained to them that on my John Mayer, I actually did the same thing. I lowered it a little bit and I had to do the same thing. Um, but I let them know that, and I'll put a link in the description. There are some saddles by some companies that you can buy as replacement for the John Mayer or Fender style guitars that you can install these saddles. And then therefore you don't have to worry about grinding those screws uh, down. Um, Brian, on your case, um, I don't know if there is is a, a replacement saddle for that. I think really the best thing to do is to grind them down. Um, I can show you. I don't know. I never thought about it as a video. I can show you how to do it. It's a really straightforward thing and how I do it, um, how I grind them down. Uh, it's important how you do it because if you, you cut them wrong, they will, they're 
they need to be they need if you notice they, they have a certain shape to them they're almost like a bullet point at the tip so you have to grind them in a it, it, nicely so uh, i've done you know what that's so common if you work in a repair shop in a music store i mean it's the most common thing you're doing is is grinding those uh those down um some people uh can buy aftermarket ones that are shorter um but i i find that every time i found a good source where they were nice uh they i couldn't find them anymore <laughs> so i just got into the to the point where i just did my own okay uh turner herbeck says phil is it okay to ask a guitar shop to put a new set of strings before you buy a guitar absolutely absolutely is that fine um so the the caveat to that is well first of all it's it's fine it's totally it's not it's totally fine to ask <laughs> right in other words it's not an unrealistic request um However, I, the caveat to that would be like, if you're buying a really inexpensive student grade guitar, let's say a hundred dollar guitar, I would say that some stores are going to do it for you as a courtesy and that's great. And they'll put the new strings on and there you go. And in contra blessings and you're good. If a store to me, if I was at a store uh, or a friend was at a store and they bought an expensive guitar and asked for new strings to be put on it and the store offered some kind of compromise. Like, I don't like if a store's like, yeah, it's $25 plus the $5 for the strings or whatever. That's not cool. But if they say, well, it's normally $25 and $5, maybe we can do it for, right? At least if, you know, trying to find a middle ground with you, that'd be great. Um, so, but I, I think it's not, a, it's definitely not an unrealistic request on anything nicer than maybe a student grade guitar. I could see where a store would want to do that to make the deal. In today's day and age, it's tough, man. It's a tough gig uh, competing with the internet. So stores have to do that. Um, it's just part of the it's part of the thing. So yeah, ask for it. And you know what I mean? In fact, I, it's the first thing I do when I get a new guitar to change the strings. So I I can understand. The other thing I will say uh, is uh, to your question is as a as a maybe another suggestion is definitely either ask if they'll put a new set of strings on your guitar. That's the first question. If they do say there is a charge or anything, I would ask them for a set of strings. Say, hey, could I, and I'll do it myself. So, and if you don't know how to do it, well then, you know, that's what the YouTube's for, <laughs> right? Lots of free information, tons of restring videos. I have one as well. Just go in there and learn to restring. Something you should learn to do. Um, Grumpy Mike, hey, Grumpy Mike. Gonna do a lacquer finish for the first time on a telekit build. Uh, I'll be going back to your rattle to your rattle can lacquer video uh, before I do. You know, it's funny is that's funny that Mike. I have a video that's that's uh, that might help you, but it's not going to be out for at least two more weeks. I know for a fact, which is uh, I think we're going to title the video. I think the clickbait title I think we liked was uh, uh, "What if Squire made a custom guitar?" Because we're going to make a custom Squire guitar. And we're going to use a lacquer cut rattle can finish. So interesting. Um, Brad Miller says for, oh, he's just doing a super chat. For a cold one next time you have <laughs> to turn off the air. <laughs> Is the blackout shirt still available? Hope they enjoy the, uh, hope you enjoy the card holder. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Brad, for the card holder. Um, you gave it to, uh, to Lawrence. It is awesome, by the way. The blackout shirts are still available. In fact, um, I'm switching right now uh, slowly 
uh, to all blacked out shirts. And uh seems like a lot of shirt talk today in today's episode. And if you guys don't know what we're talking about is I had my wife make a shirt that I called subdued or blackout. And so if you go on the merch store, it, you'll see it. It's, it, it's a gray, it's just a gray logo and you can get it on a black shirt and it'll look like it's subdued. If you guys know it, you know, the reference that military reference to subdued or blackout <laughs> either way. Um, and I like it. I like it cause it's just cool. Cause it's not so pow in your, in your face as much. It's nice. I find like it's a, it's a sneaky way to get the logo out there. Um, uh, Julio says, why are Mesa amp tone knobs so odd to dial in? I don't get them. Yeah, they are their own thing. <laughs> what I will tell you is you definitely, if you're going to own a Mesa boogie amp first, you got to do the thing that none of us want to do. Read the manual. <laughs> that It's a must have. It's a must Mesa amps, there's a couple of the companies too, but Mesa amps are definitely notoriously known for have their own philosophy of how they can, their knobs work. Sometimes like on the amp, the mid range control controls the gain. Sometimes the gain controls the bass. It's all over the crazy place. It's not even about active or passive EQ. It gets a little crazier than that. And uh, especially if you get in the Mark series, it gets even a little crazier. However, I will tell you this, learning to, to dial those knobs in on a Mesa turns the tide from this amp is weird to this amp is magic. I, I, I used to hate Mesa amps because I used to go to them and do exactly what we all do is I dialed in my favorite Marshall settings and it just was horrible. And, um, the video that actually that taught me the most, so you guys know the video that taught me about Mesa amps was Ola England's got a video on the Mark five mini, which is one of the amps I own to this day. And he just runs through his settings and his settings were so bizarre <laughs> that I was like, I went and did it and I was like, oh, this sounds great. What the heck? And that got the manual out and I go, you know what? And then I started learning the Mesa Boogie philosophy on that stuff. Definitely. Uh, if you want to get into Mesa Boogie, I would definitely put the time into that. Otherwise, it's never going to work. You're never going to figure it out. It's not that intuitive. It's its own thing. Um, Tony says, hey, Phil, did anyone from Gibson contact you about the vigilante party crashing? Yes, that's great. Uh, so that's uh, great. So if you guys remember a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that I crashed the Gibson party at the NAMM show. Uh, and uh, yes, in fact, here's exactly what happened. Within three hours of the show launching on the air, uh, <laughs> uh, Gibson reached out. Al John, who's an artist relations rep for Gibson, reached out. Um, I probably should read you his actual email so I don't miss, you know, misspeak, but I'm pretty, I, it was not that long and I'm, uh, I'll give you the just, which is really important. He apologized that they didn't invite me. He said, look, you know, they, they just forgot, <laughs> which is fine. Right. And I, I don't know if necessarily, I think that was just, you know, them, here's what I want to say. They weren't mad. <laughs> they said, hey, we're sorry. We didn't invite you. We forgot. Or maybe that, you know, some things got crisscrossed, right? I think they said, I'm pretty sure he said he lost my phone number because I had communications with Gibson in the past, you know, briefly here and there. Um, but obviously, uh, they, they he put LOL. We thought that was funny. They enjoyed the video. They weren't upset. I didn't get a $3,000 like legal summons for the beers. And uh, so, no, so good. Uh, that was good. In fact, what ended up happening was, uh, 
they uh, reached, uh, he said, uh, not only are they not upset that I crashed the party, um, they said, uh, would you like to do some reviews for us? Uh, and we'd like to send you some, some guitars. Um, I let him know, so you know, uh, and that I was not at this, not interested right now in the Gibson side, but I would be more interested in some of the Kramers and Epiphone side. I felt like I told him, I said, look, at this point, I think maybe the audience would be more interested in Epiphone guitars. And I then further reached out to him a couple days later after um, the Gibson running over guitars thing <laughs> and said, um, you know, is, you know, maybe we could do something where we do something positive and maybe do some donation stuff. And he said, well, they would be really more than interested in doing some Epiphones for the channel and maybe do some giveaways. So I haven't followed up with him since on that. I should, to be honest with you, uh, as much as I enjoy talking to Al John, I talked to him briefly on the phone, even, um, uh, I just didn't get a chance to get, to get back. Um, but that's, that's what happened. They weren't mad, which is good. That's the important part. They had a good sense of humor about it, which is really good, especially in today's climate with them. <laughs> um, yeah. Somebody says, Phil, are you drinking Arizona while you're living in Arizona? Yes. Uh, my wife got Arizona teas, so I'm drinking one. Um, BC rich AF 581 says, but Gibson is selling Kramer now. Are they not? I heard that. Does anyone know that as official rumor? I heard I heard it as a rumor. I haven't heard it officially. I didn't ask the uh, Gibson guys, um, to to be honest with you. Um, I didn't ask. But anyways, if that happens, then I guess that's moot. It doesn't matter. The the important would be Epiphone. So the answer to the question is they're not upset that I that I crashed the party. They said at least in the in the email that they were happy. Um, Ron John says they'll never buy a Gibson. I understand that. Um, Trust me, it's an it's an emotional time. I'm just happy that uh, you know they haven't done anything wrong this week. In fact, you know, I'll show you this. Somebody sent me this. I thought it was funny. It was uh, this, and uh, that's accurate. By the way, today it's been nine days since Gibson's had an incident. I thought that was funny. It's in my little thing that I can share. Um, so, uh, anyways. Um, if I end up doing anything with them, it'll be with Epiphone and it'll be to do either do some giveaways. We were talking about doing some acoustic Epiphone reviews and then doing some guitars for vets. So that I would review them and send them to guitars for vets. And if we do Epiphones, we would do it. And then uh, I, we would do giveaways here on the channel for you guys and stuff. Uh, something like that. I just haven't followed up with them because, you know, I move slow when it, when it comes to Gibson because uh, I like their guitars, but sometimes the company's just too crazy to figure out and I don't need you know, it's just crazy. So there you go. All right. On that note, we have another question. The question is, um, huh? R Raymond wants to know, do most tele pickups fit in bullet squires? Um, no, the, the, the bridge pickup on a tele wouldn't fit in there. So that's easy. I, I mean, either, I don't know. You said bullet squires. I'm thinking squire strats. You might be talking about the squire, the telly bullet. The answer on the telly bullet squire is that the, yes, the pickups would fit. That's the only, one of the few things that will fit universally in there is the pickups, the, the bridge and neck pickup. On the squire strat bullet, they would not fit. The neck pickup on the telly would fit, but you'd have to redrill the holes in the pickguard to line up or drill the pickup straight into the body. Uh, either way, that could be modded, but the bridge pickup would be a, a little bit more tricky. 
if that's the question. And then Robert's question was, Phil, Schechter CR6 versus C1 SLS, considering the price. Um, let me take a look, buddy. Um, I, I like the SLS series because of the, it has the slimmer neck. And I'm usually a little bit thicker neck guy. I like medium to thicker necks. Um, not real big on the thinner necks, but the Schechter thinner necks just seemed really, really great. Um, hold on a second. I wish you guys could see what I'm seeing, but at least I can describe it to you until we get this. Um, so I see what you're saying. The CR6 versus the C1S LS. I like the C1S uh, SLS because uh, I, I like that neck better. It's a better it's a better feel for me. It's what I, I preferred. So that's my that's my thing. And even considering the price. Okay, and on that note, we've done an hour and 20 minutes. So I think we're going to call it. Uh, it was a cool week, and we got a nice weekend to get ready to. Um, and um, Grumpy Mike says, and it's funny, Grumpy Mike says, I try to keep all the BS out of it. I've always loved my Gibsons, and I'm sure I'll buy more. Um, yes. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I feel the same way. I have my Gibsons and uh, they're my, you know, sometimes I, I think I've said this and I'll say this now and we'll end on this note. Sometimes I wish I didn't know what companies were up to, <laughs> right? And then, cause it just, you could be blissfully just buy your product and be happy with it. You know, to be honest with you, there are tons of products in my home right now in all our homes that I bet if we took the time and went on Google and learned more about the companies that made them, we wouldn't be happy. Uh, and that's true. And I'm not saying you should be blissfully unaware. I'm just saying sometimes it's nice to be blissfully unaware. Um, but yes, uh, some of the Gibson stuff has been interesting to say the least. And interesting is a nice way of saying horrible, but, um, I agree with you. I, it's not prompted me to, to stop playing my Gibson guitars. Um, I just, you know, I'm not excited about playing them right now. I, uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way. It just, you know, doesn't get me excited. Okay. So, but I think uh, I think uh, each week will hopefully things will improve with everybody and all, all the companies. Um, on that note, I think we're going to let it go. Uh, we're going to end the show today. So uh, before I go, I just want to do a quick shout out to the patrons that uh, make the show happen every week. And uh, I have a special list here. As you guys know, this live show, whoa, it just kicked me out of my own thing. Uh, the show is sponsored by... Uh, patrons, which is nice. And the live show support group, this is the patrons. And so, you know, most of these patrons have been with me now for almost two and three years. <laughs> you know, something I, I really probably should give them, like Jeff Howe, Zach Rowe, Michael Newman, Hannah Gunson, John Jex, Michael Shy, Justin Mabe, uh, Passy McKinnon. Just, just so you guys know, I, most of you have been definitely with me for at least two years uh, on this live show. Thank you so much for that. And a lot of you others that I'm about to name too, again, and some even three years uh, and, uh, it, it does make this, it does make this feel like I'm not all by myself out here. It's kind of nice to have, you know, some backing, some, besides the randomness of what YouTube may or may not do to me each week. Um, Alzar, McLeod, Andy Dennis, Anthony Desposito, Bob Crosley, Bob Pickwode, Brian Quackenbush, Brian Stewart, Bruce Collins, Chief Squatch, Chris from the Guitar Pit, or at the Guitar Pit, I should say correctly, uh, Chris from New Mexico, Craig Parker, Dennis Prescott, Derek Miller, Aaron Kimmicker. Gary Phillips, Gene Graham, Greg Peterson, James Biles, John Russell, Jonathan Pickering, Joseph McCarthy, Kermit Jackson, Larry Colkin, Lawrence Petros, Lonnie Hoke, Michael Lidner, Michael Mooney, Muse guitarist, Paul Asterich, uh, Asterich, 
uh, Lewis and Alvaro from Pedal Pile FX, Sam Oram, Steve Hogan, Tim Camacho, Tim Farnsworth, Todd Flowers, and Zesty Basil Pizza. Thank you guys for supporting what I do every week and all of you for hanging out and supporting me what I do every week and being part of this community. And until next Friday, I appreciate you and um, know your gear. <laughs>